This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Welcome back to another episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. With me, as always, my good friend and co-host, Eric O'Branson. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing good. Been, good. Uh, Rounding doing up good, yeah. our Halloween <laughs> season here, right? Yeah, absolutely. We got, uh, well, it's a, by the time this airs, it'll be, um, will it be after, just, it'll be right before Halloween. I think this dude's set to air on the 30th so yeah well now it It'll has be to. halloween but um <laughs> now it has to put... air on the 30th it will. yeah um, yeah well pressure no um yeah so we got got our decorations up everything's good we went and got some new ones so we're slowly building a collection of halloween decorations which is cool I've, halloween's obviously always been a favorite of mine <laughs> do you have you noticed in crystal lake um are there a, a lot of people that decorate there are a lot of people that decorate, and there are a lot of, like, people that go, like, way over the top decorating. Like, um, there is a group called, like, the Northern Illinois... Oh, gosh. I wanted to I wanted to kind of... I, I would like to kind of pit or say their actual name, but I don't remember what it is. But it's it's a group of people that literally build these, like really intricate cool kind of like haunted houses in their front yard but just with a lot of like animatronic robotic stuff it's you have to like see it to believe it it's better than a lot of haunted houses are oh wow um and we have like four houses that just do that like to the i don't know to the nth degree it's kind of got to be seen to be believed but in our general area so within short driving distance so we went and checked those out there a couple of them were a little too scary for our kids age and we made the mistake of dragging them through anyway last year so i'm not sure if we're gonna have if they're gonna <laughs> brave it out this year or not because my daughter still remembers one of the things that scared her from last year so but uh, we, we've been taking the kids to like the spirit halloween store that popped up i love how spirits always like possess the shells of old department stores <laughs> yes they like do. our shop co closed down and now it's a spirit mm-hmm. um which is just appropriate but yeah, they have a lot of their animatronics, and they're at least they did before they all sold out. But yeah, you'd walk through there, and stuff would be jumping out at you left and right. And yeah, it was fun. But we we decorated um, every year. I, our decorations change a bit, and we're starting to move more towards projectable things rather than stuff I have to hang up. Yeah, that's nice. We got a couple of those little projectable lights or decorations yeah and i i, I kind of like like we put a black light up on the porch to kind of you know change the whole mood of the porch and then i put up corn stalks and ghosts and banshees and stuff and then we have like some projectable ghosts <laughs> except this year because of the election i have a really bad feeling that i'm giving some neighbors the wrong impression because i've got all my like joe biden signs in the yard along with all the <laughs> halloween decorations and i'm sure to them that looks terrifying <laughs> 
Just as I think the guy across the street with all 17 of his Trump flags and shit scares the... That's the scariest house on the block. I was going to say, you should compliment him on his Halloween decorations one of these days. Well, what's funny is usually he does put up a few, and this year it was just all Trump signs. So <laughs> that's kind of crazy. But yeah, I have a feeling like he's probably looking at me getting really the wrong idea. Like, yeah, that is pretty goddamn scary. I'm like, <laughs> no, these are unrelated. But, yeah. you know, it, it that is... That is what it is, as I've I've heard somebody say. Um, yeah, but are they doing trick or treating up there? Or they are, but actually? I know a lot of people that are just opting out of it. Um, yeah, I think what we're gonna do is we'll put up like a card table and I'll lay candy out across it, and then I'll sit up on the porch. Like I'll have that out by the sidewalk, and I'll sit on the porch and just wave to the kids and make sure they take one or two. Mm. You know, nobody comes by and does a swipe, <laughs> arm yeah. sweep into a basket, but. Um, yeah, I mean, i i want to I want to participate as safely as we can, and I think right. we'll just stay back, but keep it. You know, I know kids want to show off costumes, and that's always fun. So, yeah, that's we'll, that's pretty much exactly what we were thinking about doing because they are allowing trick or treat at least in our community. Um, the kids have costumes, and you know, we're they're gonna want they're gonna dress up, and we're gonna go out and do something. I don't know, but I don't. I'm not really comfortable with you know. Lots of crowds are going up to people's houses necessarily. Right. But, yeah, so we were thinking about doing that exactly what you said, setting up a card table or something where we can kind of sit back from it but um, still enjoy the whole event. So, you know, hopefully it's not, you know, 14 degrees like it looks like it might be. But Yeah, last <laughs> year we had snow and it was pretty miserable. Like wow. you didn't even want to sit out. Yeah, last year we got six inches of snow Halloween night. We were trudging through it with boots, like trick-or-treating so yeah we'll have to see what this year uh this year pans out would be really nice is just if there was something that you know with all of this stress of the election and oh we're gonna do halloween or not and it's gonna get cold and stuff it'd be nice if there was just something you could take to just take away all the problems give you a sense of euphoria (laughs) but you know maybe you know no cost right a small creature that could inject it directly into your spinal cord I think that would work. I can't think of a downside to it. No, no. I mean, it'd maybe be, the heroin-like addiction that it would cause, but... And it'd be even better if that creature sounded shockingly like Bing Crosby. Yeah, yeah. Because tonight we're going to be talking... <laughs> There's no segue to this shit. Tonight we're going to be talking about the 1988 American comedy horror film, Brain Damage. It's funny. One night you go to bed, and when you wake up, everything is different. Now Brian's acting a little peculiar. He's like a completely different person. I don't even know him anymore. Something's gotten into him. Sometimes everything glows with a different kind of light. Deep into him. What are you telling me? That we killed someone last night? Something bad. (laughs) Something slimy. What are you doing? Something very... I know something's happened to you. Very... How is that? Hungry. Every time you're hungry. You are mine now, Brian. I own you. Gotta get out of here fast. Go where? You're a wreck, Brian. Leave me alone! Whenever you want to stop hurting, you come to me. Brain damage. 
it will turn you inside out. So this is one that was actually directed by Frank Hellenlotter, who did Basket Case from just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it's been... I don't know if we've ever done uh, a, a single filmmaker so close together before. Like, that wasn't part of the same, like, feature show. No, uh, in fact, this one, um, we picked these movies and then realized, oh, same director. <laughs> <laughs> Which, once you see both films, it's so obvious, but... So, yeah, the basic plot of this one, for those that are not, uh, I guess, totally uh, aware of it, uh, Brian begins an unwilling symbiotic relationship with a malevolent leech-like brain-eating parasite called Elmer. Elmer secretes a highly addictive hallucinogenic blue fluid into Brian's brain in return for a steady supply of brains that Brian must bring him. Um, And yes, he sounds amazingly like Bing Crosby. (laughs) Which actually, uh, John Zacharel, John Zacharel, who who does the voice, um, Mm -hmm. and he was uh, a well-known kind of horror TV host, radio personality, singer, and voice actor uh, in the 1950s, best known for his novelty rock stuff like Dinner with Drac and so oh, on. Oh, right. Yeah, I was reading that. Uh, uh, the, yeah, the voice is, the voice is perfect. It, uh, it reminded me of another more recent movie that I've seen that uh, I believe Jeffrey Combs does the voice of a kind of, of a, a life or a, a living mold growth in somebody in somebody's apartment the movie's called motivational growth and it's really funny it has a lot of similarities to this which actually now that i've seen this i was kind of like well that was kind of the same movie in a lot of ways but anyway yeah so this is one i had seen posters of and heard of but had never seen before was this a first time viewing for you absolutely yeah um and it's exactly the same for me like i am very familiar with this poster it's one that like i saw hanging in like people's houses or like stores, uh, like little indie record bookshops, and mm-hmm. um, always like in cool places. If, if for lack of a better word, like being like, well, this is a really cool place, and they have that poster up, so I should probably see that movie because I bet yep. that's like a really cool, like good movie. Um, so yeah, I was always interested in it, but I kind of fell off my radar, I guess, until you mentioned it. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I know what that... I, I can picture the the poster, the crazy poster with the funny-looking little worm guy. <laughs> Which I, I've i never seen anything from this movie other than a poster, so I never saw any clips from it or anything. And, you know, when you look at a character on a poster, sometimes you, especially if it's a creature, you imagine what kind of sounds it would make or voice it would make. Mm-hmm. And when Elmer speaks for the first time in this movie, it totally caught me off guard. <laughs> Especially because the first line he says is "Hello," and he does this little eyebrow thing, like I was "Hey there," ro- rolling, and just right away, like the voice got got me laughing, and they're like, I don't know, it it was just a ride right from that point, like this whole movie. But so yeah, the the basic character here, Brian, he just kind of wakes up one morning, and this thing is on him. Um, but it starts out actually with an older couple that lives in the apartment building that that had him that had Elmer first and Elmer escapes and they just start screaming. <laughs> and this is like the first five minutes of the movie is this couple like offering brains to something in a bathtub. They just say the thing isn't in there anymore. And they have a complete fucking meltdown, like temper tantrum, throwing things, searching for their house, tearing everything <laughs> apart, shrieking. And I'm sitting here going, what the hell? And then when you find out more about this, 
this heroin-like fluid. And it's like, oh, they're going through withdrawals. That's actually quite clever. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it it ends over the whole sequence ends up with them, you know, laying on the ground convulsing and foaming at the mouth. So it's like... Um. Yeah, and it, <laughs> it's interesting. They There is a bit of an exposition dump, you know, with, with how, yeah. you know, with, with Elmer's history. But it, it works in a way. Um, so what were your thoughts on the... I, I kind of want to ask you this question from two different perspectives. I was going to say, what do you think mm-hmm. of the cast? Rick Hurst as Brian... Uh, Jennifer Lowry, there's Barbara, uh, Theo Barnes as Morris, Brian's brother. And the, what what are your... Or no, I'm sorry, Morris is the older man, I'm sorry. Um, what are your thoughts on the performances on this, especially compared to Basket Case? Yeah, and I was just going to kind of go there. Like, um, compared to Basket Case, I feel like in they're a lot better. It, it's not perfect, uh, but I feel at least the leads have enough, enough charisma to get through it. And actually, Rick Hurst is ac- actually ends up being pretty good in this movie. I don't know if, like, you know, Oscar-worthy kind of good acting, but he's he's perfectly competent and entertaining. And he, the, you know, he has to play a lot of scenes with, you know, an animatronic worm a pu- or a puppet and or animatronic worm um, and does a good job with it. And... Uh, yeah, the rest of the cast isn't so obnoxiously bad as they were at times in Basket Case. Um, but yeah, I think it holds together a little better because the scenes don't have... You don't have this kind of scene-to-scene shift of whether someone's going to you know, show up and totally not be able to act their way through the scene. <laughs> but. Well, and the, uh, the... I'd say the, the uh, puppetry of the villain is much better in this one, too. Yes, and that's one of my first things I wrote down, or maybe not first, but like when it comes up in the film, is like the stop motion animation, although not perfect, is, is much so better. much better than the yeah. So yeah, they learned they learned lessons and and grew from yeah from Basket Case. But Elmer, what are your thoughts on Elmer overall as as a character? Uh, I love I loved Elmer. Um, everything. I mean, like really, it was just it, the voice hit me right away and I was laughing and pretty much everything he does in this movie just cracks me up even though he's you know a parasitic monster who eats human brains um I don't know he's uh he's a great dare I say one of like this type of cinema's greatest realize or greatest characters just because he's so kind of off the wall and I love that there's not really a great you know they, they give you a bit of the backstory at least like you said there's a big info dump but um you don't get a whole lot more of like you know where's what are what is where does Elmer come from and what is his you know real motivation besides just stay alive, stay powerful, influence powerful. Um, but yeah, no, he's he's hilarious. Like he's he's a little puppet worm with a you know the voice of a nineteen forties crooner. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and, yeah, and, and pretty much every moment he's on screen and or having a scene is, is hilarious. It's great. Well, and they, they go so overboard with the motion of this puppet because he's just flopping back and forth when he talks. Yeah, he's always kind of like gyrating when he moves and talks. He's like back and forth. and Which gives him a very realistic and... look, but at the same time is like so overdone. It's like he's <laughs> flinging himself around as he's talking. It almost talking. seems like the way he, you know, with his voice and his personality, he's kind of like... If he were a human being, he'd be kind of like dancing a little bit at well, the time he, when he's talking, you know. He does sing. Yes, he does, yeah. There in is fact, a scene. 
he has a song credited on the at the end credits as Elmer's song. So that's yeah, Elmer's tune is the, tune, the name. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's quite a it's quite a catchy ditty. And I love this. He he taunts <laughs> like he so he and Brian of course have the 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 big falling out where Brian's like I'm not going to kill people for you, and he's like All right, then no more juice for you. It's very Yogi Bear, right? He's just yeah. like, hey, hey, I guess we'll just see who can hold out longer. And he just starts mocking him as he's, you know, going through yeah, physical withdrawals. He's and, vomiting, yeah. and he's like, oh, come on, Brian, I don't want to see that. I mean, it's <laughs> absolutely wild. I, 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 I think it's pretty obvious. I enjoyed this one a hell of a lot more than Basket Case. Though, yeah, yeah I, I think I did too. But There's a great tie-in. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you about this, you know step aside marvel because these movies are universe by the way they are uh... not so there's there is one cast member on a subway train titled man with a basket and (laughs) it is the same basket from basket case it's also kevin van hendrick yeah Yeah, from uh, it was the same guy duane and uh what's his belial from uh, basket case yeah um also is the hotel the same hotel I wondered that because it sure like, looks like. I, I it. believe the exterior is like the the interior rooms look different, but I'm I think the sign and yeah is, and um, the actress uh, black actress that is played the neighbor in Basket Case shows up in the beginning of this film as well, um, just for a moment, and I'm trying to think what she was even playing, but I know I recognized her so. Is she the other neighbor that the old couple are harassing about her bathtub? Yes. Okay. Yes, she is. She's yeah. a neighbor in this one, too. That's right. That's right. Yep. So, yeah. So there's the, some ties to the, <laughs> for sure. This one is is definitely, uh, it definitely holds up with Basket Case and the gore. Oh, yeah. If not a little bit more so. At least, <laughs> at least more effectively gory. This is probably not a Ryan movie. Not to call him out on air, but... <laughs> no, but I I would agree. This this is one that is even I was like oh, okay, like because like I said I had to watch this one over a couple of days, uh-huh. and I'd have to restart it every time for some reason, and so I'd fast forward and I'd stop at a part like oh I can watch it from here I remember this, and I think I stopped at one point when he's uh, hallucinating that his ear fell off and his head's just gushing blood and I was like yes. not in the mood. That <laughs> scene, I mean it it was gross, but it was like um, yeah that scene was so weirdly gross and wonderful that yeah it's uh it, it was it was disturbing and like when it just started like gushing blood in this weirdest way i'm like okay this has got to be a dream sequence but still this is pretty gross <laughs> yeah well and then there's a couple of gore scenes involving elmer feeding um uh-huh. there's yep. there's a scene in particular where uh brian meets a girl at a, a nightclub oh my gosh yeah and they go outside and, and elmer uh it's not not safe for work. I don't think the description. Is yeah, safe for probably work. not. But it's, Elmer <laughs> pretends to be a part of Brian, like, and finds his way into um, said girl's mouth, and eats her eats up through her brain that way. It is, um, and the next day, the way he describes it, because Brian has no memory of it. Oh yeah, I sucked her brains right out of her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, "Is she dead?" What? Of course she's dead. <laughs> it's just yeah. it's like the dialogue's great and Elmer's voice and like everything. But yeah, that scene is um Yeah, that scene's a little iffy. Like it's just it seems a little bit rapey. Um but at the same time it's just like I don't know, in this movie it's uh 
it's just like it's perfectly over the top and kind of fits everything that they're doing i just feel like that just kind of the setup to it was a little bit like e and i but then again it's not like brian was cool with it so right he had um, no knowledge of what was going on right and um, uh, yeah so yeah it's it's essentially to, to to wrap that up and put the picture in your brain if you've not seen brain damage and by the way if you haven't seen brain damage it is free on tubi so head over there and check it out um it's essentially blowjob execution scene so yeah pretty much yeah pretty much yeah and you know there's very clearly like a subtext to this movie with drug abuse addiction and addiction because which actually works really well like i think as silly as the movie is it it does because when brian does figure out what's going on he tries to isolate himself he doesn't want to hurt the people he cares about but he ultimately ends up hurting them because he he gives into the addiction but it shows how hard it is to get away from something like that Mm -hmm. it's not you know it it takes more than just i'll have a little bit of willpower it can be very very painful so i think it it also kind of encapsulates that kind of fall from grace to the point where he you know he just he just looks terrible as his physical appearance is totally deteriorated he's writhing on the floor in pain crying screaming and you know trying to trying to get away from this trying not to need the juice anymore um but eventually you know it just breaks him and he gives in um it actually works as an allegory for addiction like really well and there's actually some strong moments in there where i think you start to even though the whole movie is a bunch of like crazy gory silliness there's something uh, i wouldn't even call it subtext because it's right there you know it's, it's obviously about addiction but it's it's um I don't know. I don't. I don't want to go as far as calling brain damage poignant, but there's something about it that um, that really works well as an allegory. For well, and that's something I'll, I'll say about Frank Henenlotter's work overall. The two films of his that we've reviewed now is they are schlocky, low budget, over the top, gory horror films that are pretty similar in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but they both also have a little bit of a heart subtext to them that is really kind of surprising for something that is gory schlocky a bit derivative you know yeah. both movies are about here's a everyman guy who has some disturbing creature with him that he keeps a secret and gets him into bad situations you know that's both yeah. movies i but, think when you put a movie like this on have you know even if you don't have a whole lot of idea where you're coming from just from the you know cover art or whatever you you kind of have an idea of what you're getting into at least i hope you would um I don't think you expect there to be kind of that strong, yeah. you know, uh, real world kind of subtext or, or subplot to the movie. Um, yeah, so it, it gives it a little something extra, and I feel like that worked really well, like you said, in Basket Case, and that's that's the strength, one of the strengths here as well. Although overall, this movie, I think, works much better than Basket Case. Basket Case, I think it was fell you know short in a couple of ways because it was an early feature i don't remember if it was his first i think it was um you know and just a smaller budget and everything but another thing i really appreciate since we're on the topic of of frank harlan ladder's uh writing is the way he tells a story i think i complimented this on our basket case review and that's that the story kind of unfolds in an interesting way that keeps you engaged with it it doesn't just give you like because in the same case as it's it, same way as Basket Case, they could have given you all of that information that you learn about Elmer um, later in the film. They could have done that as a prologue and been mm-hmm. like, this is the, you know, da-da-da-da-da, and here's the story. Like, 
nine out of eight out. Well, let's say eight out of ten films would have done it that way. Her, uh, Hennenlauter organizes the story different so that it gradually reveals itself, and I think that kind of writing, even in a film like this, makes it uh, more interesting to sit and watch. So, so you're not just watching a series of murder scenes. You are kind of just watching a series of murder scenes, but there's something you're learning about the situation. You're learning about Brian as a character, but you're also learning what Elmer is and how, you know, that how is Brian going to fight this? How is he going to get through this situation? Um, rather than, you know, getting it in the first two minutes and then everything else is, you know, expected. Like, you already understand the whole thing. But. Yeah, I think what one one criticism I have of this movie is the um the editing and it's one of the reasons why it took me three times to get through it because who and i looked like hen and lauder and uh james quay james y quay were editors on this quays edited things like goodfellas in, the, in 1990 so he's comedy oh, really? okay. but yeah. this this movie some of these scenes like the first scene when brian hallucinates he's laying in bed and there's this big hallucination scene as he's first getting exposed to the fluid. Um, oh, yeah, when he just sees, like, the stars and the planets and lights. and It goes uh, on forever. <laughs> there are some sequences that go on long, and I, I wondered if that was an, actually an editing de- decision or a directorial decision to try and make the 80-minute, like, we want to be a feature in a film festival kind of. Because I think it runs about like an hour and 18 or something. Yeah, yeah it runs 86 yeah. minutes. So it's really pushing it to get 80 yeah. minutes. But holy crap, some of these scenes just go on and they don't really go anywhere. It's like, I, I get the, it. The like, aforementioned club scene um, was a little long as well, I yes. believe, like getting to it. And it was a better scene than the, than the hallucination. It wasn't boring necessarily, but we didn't necessarily need to see, you know, it wasn't like this was a part of the movie. Like Brian wasn't a like goth person, so to spend this amount of time inside of this goth club, like you know, just kind of exploring it was, you know, interesting because it was a little bit different flavor and location, and had some music, and it was a different scene. But it just could have been, like my commentary here, could have been a little bit shorter. Well, no, and I think one one scene in particular that I noticed was it felt like overly long is the the first time when he gets the injection and there's the the zoom into his head and you see a you know brains getting this blue fluid and there's electrical sparks and stuff like that to simulate like his brain getting stimulated um that was great but every time he and almer get together they show that scene over and over and over so i'm like okay i get it yes we know what happens uh, but yeah, it, it felt like filler. It felt like some of those things were filler just to get it to the feature length mark, but it made some of those scenes less impactful and drag a little. Yeah. Because they just kept reviewing them. Overall, it, it wasn't enough to, you know, really make the movie shit or anything, but it was. I mean, this is a great example of one of those movies that's so bad it's good. It, in some ways, yeah, but. I think I'd make the argument that this is just a so good it's good movie as long as you know what you're getting into. Um, but it's it certainly, if, and I know I, I don't like to use the word cult because that that 
is actually an after the fact that you don't make a movie to be a cult movie and when you do most often as we found you're not very successful at making that right um that all depends on an audience reaction and how it kind of builds um but yeah when it comes to like a kind of funny weird gross movie that's hard to classify but yet still is interesting and uh, i don't know um this is I don't know, about as good as you're going to get in that <laughs> kind of unclassifiable weirdness of a movie. Um, I don't know if it, it has a whole lot of things I would describe as really bad stuff in it. If 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 you're on board with it, if you've watched the first 10 minutes, or actually in this movie, like you said, it does start a little slow. So if you watch the first 20 minutes and you're still on board, you, you, you're, you're going to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I... I th- I think one of the things that helps this movie over, if we can say basket cases, it's, you know, counterpart. Um, it is in many ways, I think. Like, there are so many similarities, plot-wise even. Yeah, and I think what makes this one work a little better is that your creature is more entertaining. I mean, one of the one of my complaints about basket case was, you know, Balael's is like this creepy, deformed thing, but all he does is just shriek. Yeah. yeah he's, he's not a funny or charming character in any way. Um, no, and there's something about... And, and even, like, the the way that Elmer as a puppet works is you've got, like, the tiny little eyes, the big, giant, purplish, brainy head, and the mouth just moves such a little bit when he's talking, but when he's ready to really open up and go after brains, the entire jaw just drops down to these weird worm-like teeth and little... <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of shit going on in the mouth that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but yeah, it all kind of works in a way that the effects in Basket Case don't work either. Like, um, not that the effects in, in Brain Damage are, are perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but um, it works. It's gotten to a functional point. Like everything in it works. Okay, yeah. like you don't have that. <laughs> you know, some of the horrendous scenes in, um, and they very much do the the we were talking about when we reviewed Basket Case kind of the um oh the monster's attacking me acting thing where you hold on to the puppet and kind of gyrate around and um yeah. you know that that whole deal they certainly do that with the way that bill uh not bill hell that's basket case the way elmer um attacks his victims except in the case where he eats his way through the mouth um usually right in the middle of the forehead and the actor does kind of a grab onto the you know worm sticking out of their forehead and and gyrate around but even that works better here because it really looks like that worm is like dug in and well yeah because they actually do let go occasionally and it's just attached on there yeah yeah and Um, they change the length of the worm so it really looks like it's digging its way into right into the head it it reminded me of the same effect they use in phantasm with the the sentinel Mm -hmm. spheres Absolutely, yeah. That reminded me of that that as well. I'm, so I didn't write it down, but I remember thinking that. Yeah, it it, it had a lot of. I, I wonder how. And this is kind of a cool a cool example of a, a filmmaker who. Kind of almost went back and remade their first film. Yeah, kind of, but was able to like take some criticism or at least even some self criticism, like look at it and be like, okay, what worked here, what didn't, and apply that. Like it, it this movie almost delivers on the promises that basket case that we might, you might've thought basket case could have been. And this one fulfills most of those things, I think. So do you have a, uh, a favorite scene? Um, I'm trying to think what my favorite scene in this or a favorite line, Elmer line. The, 
<laughs> the song, when he's just like writhing in, the song is fantastic when he starts singing Elmer's tune to him um, when he's going through withdrawal symptoms. Um, I'm going to have to say most memorable scene might be the club scene, even though it's it's kind of creepy, actually, just because of the way it plays out. Yeah. Um, the, <laughs> the ear dream scene that you mentioned is just hilariously grotesque like it almost gives you the willies like it's just like um but it's also like just so over the top it's it's if you can if you're one of those people that can laugh at these sorts of things it's definitely a funny funny gory gross scene just because of the unexpected gush and amount of blood that comes out well to describe it a little more it starts off as a dream of this he's just like feeling something sticking out of his ear starts pulling on this really like gross strand of red like material and it just keeps coming like you know imagine like a clown (laughs) yeah like you know clown streamers or whatever out of his ear yep and he keeps going faster and pulling harder on it and finally it catches and it like pulls his whole i believe his whole ear off and like part of his head and this like geyser of blood just (laughs) like shoots out of it it's pretty shocking it's a it's a pretty memorable moment Um, for way too long for way too (laughs) yeah um the climax of this film i don't think is again i think we made this criticism of of basket case as well i don't think it's quite as memorable as um some of the earlier parts of it um but yeah i think those those are my the things we've already kind of talked about and i wouldn't call it a favorite scene and by any stretch of the imagination but i did not expect there to be a homoerotic shower scene in this movie Um, yeah that that was was an interesting (laughs) choice which uh yeah i mean whatever it was it was actually kind of funny because of just it felt like it was you don't see a lot of that in the 80s outside of like maybe nightmare on elm street 2 right but yeah that one that was a weird scene because i was watching that and it's like okay he's in a gym and he's taking a shower worried about taking a shower and there's a great big muscular dude in there who's more just kind of giving him a look like yeah all right like why are you staring at me and he's like nobody's gonna mess with you here and that was it and it just i was like what's the point of this <laughs> yeah like, it's not guy, going anywhere that guy like it's almost like you know helen ladder's like hey you want to play the gym guy in this movie you're a big you know bulky guy he's like sure i'll do it as long as i get a nude scene like okay like, yeah it, it was just <laughs> really really weird like it just didn't <laughs> seem to be you know I, yeah, I, still I felt like the there was some that. sort of subtext about sexuality going on there, but I couldn't quite figure out what it would be or what he was trying to say. So I just kind of went, okay, well, that was interesting. <laughs> but. I'd have to say my favorite parts of this are all his conversations with, with Elmer. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a toss-up between one and two. One is when he's taunting him as he's going through withdrawals, and he's literally like, well, let's go get some girls. Won't that be fun? you know just like this weird like come on buddy let's go and then just the 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 line i mentioned before where you know where did this blood come from well from the girl at the club what girl oh the one whose brains i ate (laughs) the blood came from the girl whose brains i sucked out out of her mouth is she dead of course she's dead what are you kidding (laughs) yeah i'm serious everything elmer says in this movie is damn close to gold it's just uh it's 
yeah. well done. But it, it is. I I can. I think the first time I ever saw a picture of Elmer was actually probably in like a Rue Morgue or Fangoria magazine where they were selling puppets or little <laughs> little plush or little rubber Elmers. And now oh, I'm now thinking, that I, I got to get one. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say now that I know the voice, that would be that would be a good cult, you know addition to the collection for sure. Not oh yeah, they have a puppet collection, but I would start one for that. But well, I I like to occasionally get my hands on like a replica prop from a movie. Like in my office, for example, I have a couple of Hellraiser cubes, Lamartian configurations. Mm. One's a Rubik's cube. Oh yeah, that's kind of fun. Um, yeah, but yeah, we just got a, a have had a, a friend sculpt a uh, Necronomicon Ex Mortis, which finally arrived oh, nice. today. Yeah, you, I saw a picture of that. It looks amazing. Yeah. Oh God, it's creepy as hell. It's great, but yeah, I think I think. Uh, I, this is a movie I would recommend beyond just you should you know if, if you're if you know you like these really gory kind of cheesy movies you got to check this one out. Um, if you're but into I would also like say, get get an Elmer. <laughs> yeah, if you're into I don't know if you, what we call what we call it uh, splatter stick movies you know like even if you're like Evil Dead Two kind of um, house both those are a little tamer than this movie. This movie's definitely got some weird and some more grosser intense scenes but if you're into that kind of like horror comedy stuff like this is this is almost a must see i want to say but well there's one there's one scene i gotta i gotta mention because we did acknowledge that yes the um the stop motion was improved from Mm -hmm. the previous uh hen and lauder movie um but there's the subway scene where they try some other visual effects where uh, Elmer keeps popping out of Brian's mouth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that, uh, that, those are a little rough, but... Yeah, and it's this really weird, not computer animated, but like really bad blue screening. Yeah, technique. blue screening to the point where it looks cartoony. Like, every shot where Elmer appears, it, you, could, you could see the cutout, you know, the cutout almost, like... Yeah, so. it was that. That was that was a bit. That was a bit much. But overall, if you had to give brain damage a grade, what do you think? Or do you have any final thoughts? And then, if you had to give it a grade, um, you know, <laughs> this is one that again, I like. We I keep finding these uh, hidden gems. Mostly, mostly, I don't keep finding them. You keep finding them for me. But um, I don't know. This one was great. It was. It was funny. It was weird. It was gross. It was uh, like kind of all in equal amounts, and I don't know. I feel like, especially compared with with, with Basket Case, like this one delivers on a bunch of the promises. Like I already used that line before, but yeah, it delivers on a bunch of the promises of what Basket Case could have been. So I like to see the growth of a filmmaker from you know one film to another. And I think when we looked at Head and Lauder's um, filmography last time around he's only made five six films i think ever and this is uh yeah i don't know if this is a second or third but it, it follows basket case you know um and he, he just kind of i like to see that growth in people like he's able to take you know what didn't work and kind of re- repurpose it or you know try something different and and really made a better solid more solidly entertaining from beginning to end movie so um i think also like i just said this is a I would say this is a total must-see must for, like, cult movie fans. And, yes, 
the cool guys and the cool stores that have the poster up were absolutely correct. It's it's one of those that you just uh, you should try to track down and check out, and which is really easy to do right now because it's on Tubi for free. Um, and um, yeah, I don't know. Had a lot of fun with this one. I think I'm going to give this one an A. This is exactly the kind of stuff that uh, is fun to dig up. I I would agree on a lot of those things. Uh, I I recommend. I mean, we you, we take turns recommending movies, and I ended up recommending this and Basket Case, not knowing they were from the same director. But those <laughs> yeah. are my two in a row picks, and um, I was disappointed overall. I think with Basket Case, I get what it was going for, but I was kind of expecting something more based on this thing I've seen references to. And this, which all I've really seen references to is a clip here, or like a, an image of Elmer and the poster, uh, was, I found to be, I agree, I enjoyed this one a lot more. I'm actually confused as to why Basket Case received so many sequels, and this one hasn't. Yeah, I'd um, love to see El- Elmer rise again. Oh, absolutely, I think, I think it's necessary. <laughs> um, I'd like to see that little bastard in the 21st century. I think that'd be hilarious. <laughs> So, yeah, I thought the, the acting was improved, though still it kind of had a, a B feel to it. Um, honestly, I would put the acting on par with, you know, uh, Reanimator. In fact, this had yeah. some Reanimator stuff in it that reminded me a lot of it. Yeah, it did, for sure. There, there is some uh, a similar vibe there. Um, the effects are considerably better. Still cheesy, but in a fun way. Uh, and, yeah, you've got this little vicious villain character that's a great allegory for abuse drug abuse but at the same time an addiction but at the same time is rather charming and i think the voice goes a long way so uh i think i'm gonna give this one um an a minus the the editing bothered me because like some of these scenes i got they were just trying to get it to feature length but shit we all had to suffer through some of that um (laughs) yeah but yeah i'm gonna give this one give this one an a minus um and highly recommend if if you're a fan of like you said the splatter stick if you liked evil dead 2 i think you like brain damage yeah it makes me curious about checking out the basket case sequels because they follow like this film's uh in between basket case and its two sequels so I'm wondering if this kind of, kind of the humor and you know the lessons he's obviously learned as a filmmaker work their way into that, um, which I've I've read that they're a little more comedy esque than the than the first one. Okay. So it makes me curious to see those because I have a feeling like that, you know, they could make better movies on that premise um, with a little bit of few of the lessons that he it's apparent he's learned when making Brain Damage. So um, maybe someday I'll track those down as well. Well, we'd love to hear if any of our listeners have seen Brain Damage uh, and what your thoughts are. Are you a, a, a fan of this one? Um, have you seen both this and Basket Case? And what are your thoughts on comparing them? We'd love to hear any of your input on that. Any of your questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms can be addressed to the Video Junkier Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us at Twitter at Video Junk Pod. Or find us on Facebook at the Video Junkyard Podcast Facebook group or our main page. If you write it, we'll read it. We'll also take any uh, suggestions. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And coming up on the Video Junkyard Podcast, we have a, another movie that is featured for free on Tubi. Uh, if you haven't checked out Tubi, it's a pretty great free streaming service. Ad-supported, but free streaming service um, that just has a really great selection of this weird, wacky stuff that we keep... Uh, you know, digging up um, on the junkyard every week. Uh, next week, we're going to be checking out the movie, uh, I believe it's a Charles Band production, uh, Full Moon Entertainment's Dr. Mordred, starring Jeffrey Combs. Yes. And 
looking forward to that. It's one that I remember very well from being in video store days, but I've never actually seen. So, And I believe like Ryan's going to be joining us for that too, right? Yes, I believe he is. I believe he was uh, pretty adamant about wanting to do this one. So. Awesome. Awesome. I've been looking forward to it as well. This is one that's been on my list for a little bit, so happy to jump on this. But we want to also express that we're very happy that you tuned in. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion on brain damage and hope you've enjoyed our Halloween horror series. And yes. please feel free to share this enjoyment with the world. And please share the Video Junkyard podcast and uh, tell your yeah, friends. Tell your friends. Yeah. <laughs> just, tell see, your friends. It's, it's, tell it's your that important. Your, it's that important. So <laughs> I want to thank you once again for listening. Until next time, I'm Joe Peterson. I'm Eric Branson. Have a good evening. While the stars always winking and blinking above, what makes a fella start thinking of falling in love? It's not the season. The reason is plain as a moon. It's just Elmer's tune. What makes a lady of eighty go out on the loose? Why does a gander meander in search of a goose? What puts the kick in a chicken, the magic in June? It's just Elmer's tune. Listen, listen. There's a lot you're liable to be missing. <laughs> Sing it. So wing us in the old way and in the old time. The hurdy-gurdies, the birdies, the cop on the beat, the candy maker, the baker, the man on the street, the city charmer, the farmer, the man in the moon. We'll sing Elmer's tune. <laughs> Hi, hello, Brian. How are you? How are you doing? Help me. Please help me. Hey, of course I'll help you, Brian. You and I are pals. I'll be happy to help you. But you'll have to feed me first. <laughs> You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter, at Video Junk Pod, and on Instagram, as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening, and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard. <laughs>